Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Roll for Topic podcast. My name is Andy Rao, and I'm here hosting a game of Dungeons and Dragons. A couple of weeks ago in our last episode, Chris Salzman and myself and our guest Kyle Latino uh, did a special episode where we came up with a dungeon uh, on the air. And this episode uh, here, I've gathered a couple of friends of the show and we're going to play through that dungeon with me as a dungeon master. So, with that brief introduction, I am going to ask our players today to briefly introduce themselves. So, why don't um, we'll start with you, Aaron, uh, and then how about each of you guys introduce yourselves, and then why don't you share with us what is a role-playing game that you think doesn't get the love that it should? So, Aaron, why don't you start us off? All right, my name's Aaron. That's a tough question. I don't play a lot of games other than 5th edition D&D. Okay. So um, I am not experienced with many other systems, unfortunately. Oh, let's see. Let's, what's another question we can ask? Uh, what is the coolest monster that you have either fought against as a player in a D&D game or that you have plopped into an adventure as a GM? <laughs> you know what? I love kobolds and i think there's the famous online tucker's kobolds yes um i and i'm a huge fan of them um i that yeah i love kobolds they are so uh regardless of level you can make them do whatever you need them to do to take out any party (laughs) that's great do you play them like kind of like silly little guys or like nasty vicious little brutes or what uh usually a little silly i actually have a player character kobold that i often bring in as an npc when i'm oh, DMing. Nice. Um, okay. and he's he's a goofy little guy but smart <laughs> all right awesome well uh thanks for joining us today and then how about um not to introduce you guys before you have a chance to introduce yourselves but matt how about you go next <laughs> sure uh my name is matt wilson um thanks for having me on the show again as far as games that don't get enough attention. I I have gotten a lot of like I have never actually played it, but I've gotten a lot of interesting like GM stuff from the James Bond 007 role playing game. Oh my goodness! Okay, um, that's got some cool ideas for how to interact with James Bond style villains, which is which is which is awesome. Yeah, and sadly long out of print, right? I think so. Yeah, I picked up mine used somewhere yep. back in the day favorite monster in a game <laughs> it's a tricky question it is. i've liked so many of the monsters and i didn't mean um, it to be a, a challenging question it uh well yeah. i didn't intend to uh dump a big brain puzzler on you guys so uh feel free to pass if you don't if you don't know yeah i have a couple of favorite villains but no like generic little monster things okay to mind right now i'm blanking so okay well let's move on to our third uh uh, guest slash player slash victim. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Brandon. Um, and uh, I think the game system that I think doesn't get enough attention or enough appreciation is the White Wolf system. I am mm-hmm. a big, big fan of specifically uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Oh, um, and yeah, it's it's a great system and a lot of fun. You can do really crazy stuff with it. Probably my favorite monster that I've encountered was in third edition, a mind flayer that had did terrible things to a psionicist. 
<laughs> that's awesome. And you know, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who is really into Werewolf. I've, I know many people that have gotten into other White Wolf games, but um, Werewolf has always seemed like that one that uh, it's maybe a little daunting. Um, it seems a little daunting, but that's that's really cool. Have you been have did you play back in like the 90s back in its heyday or? Yeah, yeah, I was playing back in the uh, in the late 90s and a bit in the early aughts, and I was one of those few people that honestly thought that the card game version was actually going to go somewhere. Um, <laughs> so I'll have that large box of limited edition cards that are worth the paper they're printed on. <laughs> I'm in a, uh, on Facebook, I'm in one or two groups um, centered around, like, uh, out-of-print collectible card games, and every great now and then uh, people... That game will will surface. It's kind of funny, yeah. Rage. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's had some good one. mechanics. Had some good mechanics. Are there two people in this podcast that played the Rage uh, card game? Like, I feel like I can't say is... that I ever really played it. I played more Vampire card okay. game. Buy a lottery ticket right now, and this is never happening again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is not representative of the general gaming uh, public. I think if you're listening to this. And thinking about bringing any of those games back, but yes. Uh, okay, well, let's go ahead and get started here. You guys may not know it, but um, yes, a one of Gary Gax's Gary Gygax's lost um, lost dungeon adventures was recently unearthed by this podcast, uh, and uh, uh, so so brace yourself some for some truly epic, uh, a classic dungeon crawling adventure because we are about to. Um, we're about to venture into the subterranean depths of the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to ask you guys to introduce your characters, um, which I, uh, taking a chance as Game Master, declined to uh, to view or review before this adventure. So if anybody's got like a, a six-armed ninja, psionicist, dragonborn or something, I guess we're about to find that out. But uh, uh, So the three of you are um, playing your classic D&D adventurers who are doing the classic D&D adventuring thing, which is traveling through the wilderness. You're about to all meet up in a tavern kind of uh, out midway between you, midway between your, uh, your origin point and your destination, wherever that might be out in the middle of nowhere. So why don't you guys briefly describe your characters and why don't you describe them first in uh, kind of non-game terms, tell us what they look like, what their general demeanor is. And then uh, why don't you fill us in, just on the real quick game details. So how about um, let's start again with Aaron. Who sure. are you running? Um, so I am running a half-elf named Brodan Walker. Okay. Um, he kind of looks middle-aged, um, very unassuming in most uh, respects, often carrying a large uh, staff as his walking stick. He, he looks, you can probably tell that he's a holy man by looking at him. So I'm guessing that makes him a cleric. So he is a cleric, yeah. Okay. And yeah, for my game mastery help, can you tell me their armor class? And his is it Rodan as in like R O D A N? B R O D A N. Okay. Rodan. Awesome. And then uh, what are his hit points and armor class, please? His HP is 10, okay. and his armor class is 14. All right. And lastly, what is his. Um, What's his perception? What's his passive wisdom bonus? Passive perception is 13. Excellent. Okay, um, Matt, how about you? Uh, yes, uh, I'm playing a 
uh, strapping young man with uh, flowing locks of raven hair and a very like Teutonic uh, set of of arist- like he's obviously an aristocrat and he's 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 got a very like obvious family colored um, black and yellow uh, theme to his to his tabard and he's carrying an enormous great sword on his back which has been encrusted with jewels and is clearly some kind of family heirloom okay and when he walks into a, a roadside tavern like this he sort of has to remind himself that this is what he wanted he wanted to go out into the world and have adventures it looks dingy in here but he's trying to do his best to deserve the inheritance that is so rightfully his. And his name is Karis. Karis Lynette. Okay. And uh, how do you spell Karis? K-E-R-I-S. I, like, took a guess here, and I got, like, literally every letter except the S incorrect. So, uh, and would that make him a human fighter? He is a human fighter. Okay. From a noble background. Okay. Um, and how about hit points, armor class, and perception? Hit points are 12, armor class of 17, and his perception is 13. Okay. Somehow, he's actually pretty smart. If you guys have um, sort of personality quirks, and I don't know if you rolled this up when you got your characters, things like um, your ideals and your fears or weaknesses, feel free to either express those with the group or just roleplay them as we go along and we can all be surprised by your neuroses. Uh, okay, and lastly, uh, lastly, Brandon, what do you got going on here? Uh, so we have a ruddy-skinned, dark-eyed, tousled-haired halfling, Erwin Blackfoot. He uh, is every inch a traveling carny, is not a classy <laughs> individual. Dust <laughs> seems to follow him everywhere he goes. So the dinginess you noticed, probably his fault. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Perfect. And uh, so he is a halfling. Halfling barbarian. Barbarian. Oh, wonderful. Okay. I should have guessed. All right. And hit points, armor class, and perception? Yep. So hit points are 15, AC is 16, and passive perception is 13. All right. Well, the three of you have been traveling for some time through the wilderness, through the mountains, through the forest, and you are still some ways from your destination, which is um, a marvelous fantasy city filled with adventure and treasure and danger. In the meantime, you need to find a place to sleep for the night. For the last couple of nights, you have just been camping uh, out in the wilderness. It's been uncomfortable. It's been cold. It's been wet. And so it is with some cautious excitement that you note signs of a small settlement coming up ahead of you on the road. As you approach, it turns out it's less of a settlement and more of just a little bit of a way station, probably for traveling merchants and maybe adventurers such as yourself making their journey along this road. Ahead of you on the side of the road is a, uh, it's not completely decrepit, but it is, uh, it is a somewhat uh, battered uh, two-story tavern with the not super promising name of The Last Fish. This uh, this might cause you to look elsewhere. Uh, were you in a situation where you had choices, but you don't. Even though you're not quite sure about the quality of the tavern, you can't deny that the uh, smell of cooking meat uh, and the flicker of torchlight in the windows 
and the sound of raucous uh, conversation and laughter from within uh, is proves to be irresistible. So the three of you head into the tavern. The tavern is not as filled with uh, life and laughter as you might have guessed, but there are a number of interesting individuals here. A couple of people catch your eye. The first, uh, your eyes are drawn first, as usual, to the bar behind which uh, a man stands who is obviously the innkeeper. He is busy um, filling a plate with some somewhat dubious-looking uh, baked fish. Uh, baked fish. Perhaps this is a specialty of the uh, the tavern. You may find out in just a moment. Uh, he glances up at you, gives a sort of uh, brusque, but not entirely unfriendly nod, and uh, goes back to uh, preparing the meal for one of the patrons. And then I would like each of you guys to uh, tell me about a patron of the tavern that you see in here. And let's see. We will start with um, we'll start with Brandon. Why don't we start with you? And can you describe someone shifty who is in this tavern? And I guess anybody can chime an, in. So if you get stuck, there's an old farmer that is sitting not quite right on the corner of the bar, but he is clearly the guy who always has some kind of side hustle going on. <laughs> the kind of guy where. You're not sure if 50% of the teeth in his mouth are his or if they're fake, but the other half are definitely missing. Perfect. Okay. And um, one or two tables away from that guy is another person. Matt, why don't you tell me tell me about a patron of this inn that you really did not expect to see in this tavern, that you would not expect to find in this environment? Well, I would definitely not not have expected to see one of... Uh, the the fair elven races in such a dingy you know human establishment. So my eye is immediately drawn to them. Okay. I know them to be very noble people, and if and if he's here and seeming to enjoy himself, then clearly I will be able to do so as well. Okay. And I'm thinking of going to the bartender and and buying around. Okay. And Aaron. Um... Who in this tavern is about to be uh, booted out by the bouncer uh, because they're drunk beyond belief and starting to uh, starting to hassle the staff? Well, you don't normally see them getting quite that drunk, but the clearly overweight dwarf who is walking around, strutting around, um, slurring his words and seems to be looking to want to pick a fight, but most of the other people there seem to just be ignoring him as if this is a regular occurrence. All right. And no sooner do you notice that dwarf than he makes eye contact with the three of you. It takes him a second to sort of focus on you guys and decide what to do. But when he does decide what to do, what he's decided to do is to lurch forward drunkenly. Um, He stabs a, a chubby finger in your direction. And uh, and mumble something that you are able to make out as um, you aren't from around here. What are you doing here? My good sir, we are just mere travelers on our way to our destination, looking for a warm meal and a warm bed. Well, you know, the last. Last time I saw a bunch of bunch of elves 
they were running away from battle, leaving the rest of us to uh, to clean up after them, huh? He kind of hey, gives you a... Hey, who are you uh, too, going too an elf? Strong of a slap. What's that? Who are you going an elf? I'm, I'm calling you an elf. Uh, and he gives you a, a hefty shove. Now the innkeeper is looking up, but it doesn't look like anybody is about to jump to your... Um, jump to your defense here. They're sort of uh, maybe watching how you're going to handle the situation. So he gives, uh, he gives uh, Aaron a shove. And since you're quite a bit uh, less uh, weighty than him, that uh, propels you back uh, out almost through the door. You got a strong arm. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> bet it's good for lifting tankards. <laughs> we'll drink about it. All right, that uh, that uh, actually that actually makes him laugh. Uh, so that we'll drink about it. Yeah, we'll we'll drink about it. Uh, barkeeper, another round on on this guy here. And he uh, he he slaps you in a companionable manner on the shoulder. Do you uh, object? Not at all. I, okay. I was about to buy a round for the bar anyway, so okay. I I I nod at Aaron and I uh, I. I toss a, a gold piece what can a round cost a gold piece <laughs> okay well um on onto the bar yeah a mousy looking innkeep. Uh, i'm sure your beer is is cold we'd like oh a it's uh it's the uh the finest and the only you'll find in these parts uh he says uh Behind you, the uh, dwarf has maybe forgotten about the promised drink and has sauntered out the door out onto the road. And the innkeeper uh, motions for you to sit down wherever you like, at a table or at the bar. Where, where are you guys going to uh, settle down? I'm going to go sit down at a table. Okay. I feel like a table is better than the bar. All right. You I sit will, down I will follow group. my companions. Perhaps this table. elf wants company. Okay. Yeah. Well, most of the patrons have been eyeing you, uh, have been eyeing you a little skeptically uh, as you've gone through that little encounter. But you sit down and uh, after a couple of minutes... Uh, some beers are brought out, and um, and yeah, the uh, innkeeper asks. He uh, he comes up to you and he says, "How um, my good sirs, you've probably come here for our world famous glowfish, but I am very sorry, but uh, due to circumstances beyond my control, we are out." Of glowfish, uh, I've just served up the very last batch, uh, and so I do hope you haven't uh, traveled over too great of a distance um, to taste this delicacy. Can I get you something else? That sounds terrible, my friend. Uh, if you don't mind my asking, what happened? Why? Why did this happen? How did you run out of fish, glowfish? Yes, um, he looks at you, and uh, well. Um, it's a story, and I think it's a story you might find interesting and maybe even a little lucrative. So tell you what, let me bring you gentlemen out something to eat, and then uh, once you've had a chance to settle down, let's have a talk about what happened to my fish, because I think you might be able to help me. I'm looking forward to it. So he brings out a, uh, a very uh, generic meal, no sign of the uh, fabled glowfish. Are you guys going to be doing anything as you eat your meal? Before he returns to you to have this chat, I'll be asking this elf if uh, if there are 
if he has come from the road and a life of adventure, and if so, might there be adventure to be found in these parts? Sure. What's your um? What what is your charisma bonus? Uh, plus two. Okay, nice. All right. Um, yeah, you make a fairly you make a pretty good impression on the elf, um, and he doesn't. Uh, he uh, he looks a little skeptical about you guys. You are in kind of grubby, uh, very uh, mud spattered clothes, but uh, but you make a good impression. Yeah, he's uh, traveling in the opposite direction actually, and um, he looks like he doesn't have too much to say. He's pretty closed mouthed, but um, he looks like he's not really enjoying uh, being in this um, grubby little tavern. Well. Anybody else? That would make two of us. He's not <laughs> yeah. yeah. If there's no adventure to be had here, yeah. why well, did a couple I slog of... through the f- muddy forest to get here? A couple of minutes later, uh, the innkeeper returns. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, I trust you've enjoyed your meals. It's quite uh, delicious there. Do you have? Oh, but uh, but it's not not compared to our glowfish. And I have a treat for you. Because as it turns out, there is exactly one fresh glowfish left, and I would like you to—I uh, would like you to try a bite of it. So he excitedly produces a dish on which a uh, a kind of uh, a slightly misshapen fish. Uh, it looks—it's a little hard to articulate what's wrong about it, but um, but uh, but there's something not quite right about it has been uh, prepared for you. He uh, hoists it for you. He has, a, he has a fork for each of you, which he presses, presses into your hands. Um, please, please take a bite. I think you will, I think you will see exactly uh, why this is uh, so, we are so famous for this. I He's gesture to my companions and to my, and to my new elven friend. Okay. Uh, my good man, Rafalos, uh, Please, please. Uh, I'm told this is the last fish. Oh. Have uh, you had this delicacy before? Um, uh, who are you speaking to? Uh, the elf. Okay. No, I was told that uh, he was all out of glowfish. Not that, I would, um, not that I would deign to partake of such a disturbing-looking delicacy. But uh, suit yourself. Uh, help yourself. It looks... It looks uh, like exactly the sort of thing uh, people such as yourself would enjoy. <laughs> I, lo- I look forward to, to seeing your reactions. Please take and a bite. The innkeeper's uh, pressing it. Broden will go ahead and I'll, take a bite. I'll drink my beer. Okay. And dubiously, error and follow suit, giving it a long sniff and a skeptical look. Okay. Uh, everybody who takes a bite, um, go ahead and... Um, Go ahead and give me a Constitution saving throw, okay? And just tell me if you uh, if you roll a ten or higher. I got a fourteen. Did anybody else uh, get it? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not eating this suspicious fish. And you're not eating it, okay? If the elf isn't eating it, I'm not eating it. Okay. I'm swinging in with a big eight. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brandon, so uh, the two of you that eat it. It actually tastes pretty good. Um, you wouldn't travel hundreds of miles for this, but um, you know you wouldn't turn your nose up at this. But um, Brandon, you uh, well, both of you feel a um, a slight 
unpleasant, tingly sensation. And for a second, um, for a second, your head like kind of hurts, like you're getting like an ice cream, an ice cream headache, but it fades quickly. Um, but Erin, the headache subsides, but, but after a few seconds, but is still sort of lingering like a really, really low level migraine. And you are um, suddenly finding that um, as if you're, your like eye pupils have dilated. Uh, the room seems the room seems brighter. Um, seems brighter. Yeah, so it's as if your your eyes uh, your eyes were dilated a little bit. Um, <laughs> it has no no immediate effect or whatever, but it uh, but uh, yes. So I'll tell you when that uh, when that wears off, if it ever wears off, it could be permanent. <laughs> Uh, the innkeeper is eyeing you kind of almost eagerly and you, you notice that he's actually staring at your faces like um, as if looking for some kind of reaction. And Aaron, uh, as you as you eat and you sort of you blink as you have this little slightly weird experience, the innkeeper gives sort of a, a very satisfied nod. Yes, yes. Uh, it's... Uh, Glowfish are found nowhere else that I have ever heard in the realms. They are unique, uh, unique to this location. My great great grandfather uh, built this in here because uh, because of the glowfish, and uh, we've served it. Uh, we've served it faithfully uh, for generations. I, I'm sure you can see. I'm sure you can see why. Is is uh, it, it is the effect p- permanent? <laughs> He laughs. Not usually. Uh, not usually. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts, my friend. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, there. This was the last of uh, the glowfish in my supply. Unless you are interested for a fair reward in helping me resolve that problem. The three of you look like you could use a little bit of uh, cash. I saw you sort of. Uh, fumbling through your purse looking for change uh, for your drinks earlier. Maybe um, maybe you could use a bit of, uh, of traveling money. If so, I have, a, I have a job for you. Are they difficult to catch? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'm not usually the one who catches them. And that is, uh, and that is, that is my story, actually, my friends. He's, he scoots up a bench. Uh, and he begins speaking without... Uh, without further delay, you see, once or twice a week, my assistant Rolf heads down to catch a new batch of glowfish. He's done this for years. He knows all the tricks. But uh, two days ago, he went down for a new batch, and he didn't come back up. Sometimes he's down there for a while. It can take him a while. It can take him a while to gather up enough. But uh, it's never taken him this long before. I'm honestly concerned that something might have happened to him. Uh, maybe he uh, he broke his leg or, or or injured himself in some way and can't get back up. I need someone uh, with more experience uh, in these uh, sorts of matters to head down there and fetch him back for me. With I I I pray to the gods. A, uh, a basket full of fish. Are you interested? It, it, uh, it, it, 
for experienced adventurers such as yourself, it uh, it should present no serious difficulty. Hmm. Perhaps he was taken by wolves. <laughs> oh my! An orcish nothing, army nearby. Nothing so terrifying. Uh, wolves haven't been seen uh, in significant numbers in these parts in in a very long time. I assure you. Okay. I. Uh, Rolf has been going down there for years, and uh, he's a little bit closed-mouthed about exactly what is down there. But uh, but if there were fearsome wolves uh, roaming around down there, he would have he would have surely mentioned. Well, just just a a, a point of um of curiosity. Uh, you you keep saying down there is is that south like south on the map, or is that down below like like underground ah like a, yes like a difficult and dangerous passage to the underworld it uh, it's it's oh, more the latter than the former ah yeah he, uh, he taps on the table and he gestures to the ground it is my friends and he looks around almost conspiratorially as if uh as if he doesn't want this uh, widely shared it is uh it is directly below our feet mm-hmm. your basement ah. In the, the fish basement, are raised in your basement. In the basement of uh, of this building, my friends, is a cistern. It was there before we built the building. It's very old, and Rolf goes down into the cistern, and he comes back up with fish. I don't know what's down there exactly. I've never been there myself. But are there foul, evil, ghostly present? Presences emanating from this cistern, uh, my friend. I uh, I could never run a tavern successfully if there were foul, evil, dangerous creatures just no. directly below our feet. Like that's what a what a ridiculous what a ridiculous notion. I'm sure it's perfectly safe, but it does require some manner of physical dexterity to get down there. Um, my companions, that, my companions. A yeah. man is in need. <laughs> And as such, we should be doing our part to help those who need it. Oh, well, this this is most certainly uh, terrifying, questionable, and fascinating in equal measure. I'm in. I suppose this this municipality probably lacks a, a sheriff, and in their stead, I I feel compelled to act on behalf of the locals. I'm so little people. I, I'm so grateful, my friends. Uh, the truth is, I've I've already asked our uh, stuck-up elf friend over there, and uh, and he told me no in no uncertain circumstances when it became clear that going down there does involve getting wet. I, d- I didn't mention that, but um, but yes, I am already wet. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, very well, my friends. Well, I don't wish to rush you, but the longer uh, we go without glowfish. Uh, the longer we all go without the most delicious delicacy uh, known to the humanoid races of this fantasy world. And so I, I beg of you, finish your meal, gather your resolve and your equipment, and, uh, and tell me when you're ready to venture down into the very small, not scary or dangerous uh, environment in which... Uh, in which my assistant, my experienced assistant, uh, disappeared. So, uh, just tell me when you're ready to go, uh, or if there's anything I can do to help you. We well, obviously we have very, we have 
a limited uh, set of supplies here. We don't get a lot of uh, merchants through here, but if you do need uh, basic supplies um, to help you, I'm happy to provide those, and I will uh, even be happy to have that be on the house as a uh, as a gesture of my confidence that you are going to be able to to bring Rolf and the fish back. Definitely bring the fish back, and if Rolf can be brought back, that uh, that is uh, that it makes me even more happy. I look skeptically at the, at the carcass of the fish and request another beer. Okay. Of course, another beer for everyone, but maybe not too many beers if you're heading down the cistern. Uh, but yeah, so he brings out another round of drinks for you guys. And then he says, I, uh, thank you, my friends. Just tell me when you're ready to go. I need to tend to my other customers who are indeed looking ornery that you have been occupying um, this gentleman's attention. So he gets up to serve some other customers. You hear him apologizing about the lack of fish. Um, to that, uh, to that um, shifty-looking farmer, and uh, yeah, is there anything you guys would like to do or acquire uh, or ask before you tell the innkeeper you're ready to go? Do either of you have rope? Because I do yes. not have rope. I have a oh. blanket. Oh, how did you last this long? That's that's terrifying. Yes, I I have fifty feet of hemp and rope. Okay, excellent. One of us does. It wouldn't be an adventuring party if there weren't a few hundred feet of rope uh, like represented, I feel. This yeah, is yeah. why I keep but you guys no around. One knows how to tie a knot. But of course, no one knows how to tie a knot. Everyone has <laughs> rope. No yeah. one knows how to use it. That's right. I certainly yeah. don't. <laughs> uh, that's why... That's why use rope was a skill. It was a discrete skill in earlier editions of this game. Although not, I fear, in 5th edition. So we may just be really out of luck when you break out that rope. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, so you've got some rope. Um, and I haven't, you know, I haven't checked. And I don't care that much what you guys have got in your inventory. But we can, we can assume you have kind of typical traveling gear. And maybe a little bit of adventuring gear. If there's some sort of, if you've got stuff jotted down in your inventory, that's fantastic. If there's anything specific you want to um, buy or ask for from the innkeeper, you know, you can have it if it's a if it's something simple and basic from the player's handbook. And if we get down there and um, and it's and there's some question about whether you would have brought along something, we can always do a little uh, a, a luck roll of some sort to determine. I am ready when you are. Okay. Yep. My companions. <clears throat> All right. Um, business has uh, business has died down a bit. The locals, uh, everyone who seems to be a local, is is heading home as the evening gets on. And um, a couple of the people who are not locals have um, have started heading up to their rooms upstairs. And the innkeeper leads you down into the basement where this uh, this quote cistern is um, is waiting for you. So when you get down there, it is uh, it is cold and damp. Um, it it is funny. You as soon as you drop below ground level here, like the humidity just seems to spike. Um, it's really it's really damp and um, damp and cold down here. Um, and he leads you into a large basement. Uh, it is a single large room almost like almost the size of the whole the dimensions of the the whole inn above it there are no like side rooms um you don't see any storage rooms or anything like that it's a single large room 
in the center of which is, as he de- as he described, a cistern. It's basically a large hole in the ground. It is. It was built uh, with brick and stone that looks pretty old, not to your experienced adventuring eyes. It looks like it has been here for a while. And you can see the the cistern, as you will. It, it is about 10 feet across from one side to the other. And it is a couple of feet down. It is filled with water. You can see that um, a, a rather sturdy-looking con- metal contraption has been set up off to the side to which a rope is attached. Um, looks, The rope itself looks like it you know, was was sturdily tied about 30 years ago and hasn't been like messed with since the rope is hanging over the edge of the cistern and it disappears below the surface uh, of the cistern. Um, yes. Uh, here you are, my friends, this is it. Um, yes. Rolf went, Rolf went down there. Uh, that is his rope. Uh, he went down there, but he has not, he has not returned. I wish you the best of luck. Are there any questions before I bid you Godspeed? No. He went underwater? Oh, yes. Uh, well, now that you mention it, yes. There is one odd thing about the cistern. You will find, and uh, you will find that some ways down, the water stops and is replaced by uh, open air. Rolf uh, was always a little unclear, and I have never dared to make the descent myself, but he says that... Um, through whatever properties sustain this well, uh, also have uh, preserved an area of breathable air beneath it, where he uh, where he finds his fish. The the big heavy thing in the corner is the what, what's what's all that? Oh, this uh, he just it's just a it. I, I use the word contraption, but I should have meant just like a a brace or a rack or something for the purpose of holding a rope very sturdily. Uh, yes, Rolf goes down the rope, and I can't really, I can't really see myself uh, through the um, through the water. But he says that it is not far before he you break out into the air. Oh, seems fair. Seems legit. <laughs> yeah. My good cleric Bogdan, her Broden, is the cistern in fact evil? That's a good question. Unfortunately, I do not have that spell prepared with me today to detect whether or not it is. Uh, perhaps a simpler option might be to simply cast a little bit of light and see how far down we can see into this. Uh, do you have, is there like a pebble or a rock around here that I could find? Yep, plenty. Uh, so I will grab a little pebble and cast light on it. I mean, it a bright blue glow. Okay. Um, the the pebble flares in the dim light of the cellar, and uh, Aaron, I should note that uh, Aaron, uh, you notice that you can see remarkably well in uh, in this dimly lit area um, here. If I can just break um, break immersion here and say you have you have sort of a limited duration dark vision. Um, in Ooh. effect. Um, so, nice. all right. Um, so you've got this, you've, uh, you've got this glowing stone. Did you say you were dropping it down the well? Yeah. I'm going to drop it and see how far down I can see it sink. 
Okay. It's pretty dark in here, but um, you're able to follow the light. The The stone hits the water with a plop, and it sinks down at a, at the at the rate you would expect it to for a little while. Um, after a couple of seconds, um, it abruptly drops away very quickly. And then uh, after that, uh, you can see a very faint, what might be a very faint glow where it may have come to rest down farther below, but it's pretty far down there and pretty dark. Well, at least we know we won't be in the water for very long. <laughs> An excellent yes, I, the innkeeper says, yes, I am. You know, Rolf, uh, I, I don't think he found it pleasant to go through the water, but I don't think he, uh, I don't think it is dangerous as long as you keep moving quickly. I will grasp the rope. Okay. And attempt to pull it out. Uh, out, like pull it up. Yeah, pull it up okay. out of the cistern. All right, you pull it up, and 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 um, you find a um, and it's after about fifty feet worth of rope, you uh, you uh, pull it up, and the bottom of the rope has been severed um mm. the innkeeper the Jeez. innkeeper says um hmm. uh rolf usually there is usually like a a little basket like a small pallet tied to the bottom of the rope um it must still be down there must have snapped off or been cut it looks to you like this was cut by like a sharp implement I'm afraid it seems that your friend may be in more trouble than we originally thought. Well, you may have aquatic brigands. <laughs> They're a notorious pest. Uh, pray, pray to the gods that I have not been infested by aquatic brigands. But, uh, but yes, but that is why I am uh, being so generous with my offer of uh, of reward and food and supplies for my store. I really need you to go down there and find what happened to Rolf. And if there is something dangerous down there that is threatening my fish supply, I, um, I entreat you to, uh, I entreat you to deal with it. Well, gentlemen, uh, I believe there is a saying that fortune favors the bold. Shall we descend down? Oh yeah. I, I think Kara should throw the rope back down. Then I'll just, just shoop, shoop my way down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we'll make a long story short. So going down, I would like everybody to make a, um, go ahead. It climbing down is not a climbing down in a controlled manner like this is not something I'm going to make you roll for. I mean, as long as you're being reasonably careful, there's no, you're not going to fall off of the rope, but I am going to roll because it is a disconcerting experience to, um, sort of climb through the water and then emerge underneath the water. Uh, so go ahead and everybody give me a, just a constitution roll. Uh, to see if you can avoid uh, like freaking out and inhaling a big a, a big mouthful of water. Uh, so make a, a constitution a roll. Uh, just beat a ten. So okay. a con save or just a, an ability roll. I'm sorry. Make a uh, constitution saving throw. Save. Yeah. Okay. I did not pass. Okay. And if you didn't roll one. Okay. 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 Um, all right. If you did not pass, um, take, uh, if you did not pass, you inhaled some water 
and you are at disadvantage for the next couple of minutes. Okay? That means uh, that means you roll, when you're trying to do stuff, physical activities, we'll say, uh, you roll two dice instead of one, and you go with the lower of the results. Okay? So mark that down. And if anyone was so unlucky as to have um, rolled a natural one, uh, you dropped something... You dropped something useful out of your pack on the way down. Oh, no. So, uh, one of your so pick a weapon from your uh, inventory list, and it dropped. There go the javelins. Okay, okay, okay. How many javelins were in there? There were three. Okay. <laughs> All right, the javelins go sailing, sailing down. All right. Flatter. So the way this Flatter. works is after about. Um, after holding your breath for a couple of uh, very long seconds, um, you do emerge, and looking above you, you can see a ceiling of rippling water uh, above you, but that doesn't stop you from climbing right through the water and descending into a vast subterranean chamber. The rope, um, the rope ends a couple of feet above the floor, the area around here is dimly lit, and it actually it actually takes you a minute to figure out where the source of light is. And you realize that uh, clumps and clusters of some sort of moss or lichen are faintly glowing. Uh, they're they're just patched around unevenly. It doesn't look like this is by design unevenly on the walls of this chamber that I'll describe in just a moment. Just enough to give you basic visibility. Um, if you have any sort of dark vision, you are totally all set. If you don't, uh, if you don't have any of that, then um, your eyesight is somewhat, uh, is somewhat diminished, but not so much that you can't see your feet uh, in front of you. The chamber into which you are lowering yourself is a large and obviously is an artificially constructed chamber. This is not a natural cave. And it reeks of age. You are descending into some sort of uh, watery, large cistern uh, chamber. Uh, it's a little difficult to describe. And um, the image we, when we are coming up with a description of this chamber, the, the image we kind of settled on was, have you guys seen um, photos or drawings uh, drawings of the, um, like, are underneath the city of, um, of Istanbul or Constantinople, those, like, underground, um, like, I don't know what they're called, cisterns? Like cisterns. Aqu yeah. Aqueduct type of uh, area. Anyway, yeah, yeah. you're in a chamber that evokes that feeling. Okay. Um, the, you drop... It's very large. It is circular. Um, it's very large, maybe 100 feet from one side to the other. And you have dropped down directly in the middle of it. You are standing in about two inches of water um, around, and you are standing on a platform that is very slightly submerged. And around you is a lot of around you the platform like drops off and it's just water with you don't know how deep it goes down um you can see in the dim light of the moss you can see immediately that there are two exits out of this uh large uh cistern chamber 
one and they are both on opposite sides one on the, we'll say one on the left and one on the right both of them are um are curved doorways a little bit shorter than you would expect for a facility built for humans there is also so if that is on the west side and the east side there are pretty much identical doorways heading off in those directions uh to the north the northern wall to the north the platform you're on drops off and it just becomes like an open underground lake of some sort um and there is a tunnel ahead of you uh in that you would have to swim it. You would have to swim down this tunnel um, ahead of you heading north. So I don't know if I've described that well, but um, three exits, two of them clearly artificially made um, and meant for um, people to be traveling through. And one of them, um, a more dubious uh, passageway that you would have to swim going north. Um, it looks like the floor of this chamber, the floor of this chamber is all submerged and there are periodic drop-offs where the where the flooring gives way to water but you could move all the way around this chamber with a little bit of care all right are there any questions the uh, passageway to the north is it a hallway that like slowly becomes entirely submerged as in completely underwater or is it simply that the floor drops away but there's still breathable air above it looks like, uh, as far as you can see, and with your dark vision, you can actually see, it looks like, um, as far as you can see, that tunnel, it heads north, and it never is completely submerged. But um, towards the end of it, there's like really one or two hand breadths of, yeah. um, of, of like clearance above the water. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. What would you guys like to do? Oh, uh, your javelins um, scattered around. Um, mm -hmm. You go to gather them and let me roll to see uh, how many of them you're able to recover. Okay. You found you were able to recover two of the javelins. You just can't find the third. You suspect it fell down one of the areas where there's a drop-off into the water. Cool. Okay. All right. What are you guys going to do? Is there any evidence of the pallet that was cut off? Do we see like pieces of it or... There is not. Update itself. Is there any evidence of blood or dismembered body parts or anything like that? Yeah, that's a good question. All right. Um, who has the highest um, Who has the highest perception? I think we're all at 13. All at 13. Oh, sure. You would almost think that yeah. I even asked you guys that question so I could write it down in front of me. Um, it's almost as if you'd, you'd done that. All right. You spend a few minutes um, kind of poking around. But you um, you do not really see signs of a scuffle um, or violence. Um, if something you know violently removed that pallet and or did harm to Rolf, there's no evidence of it now. Interesting. We have three directions to go, my friends. Which way should we go? Clearly, we should each take one. <laughs> oh yes, I. Was that's, that may not be the wisest be choice. Very efficient. <laughs> However efficient it may be. I will unclasp the uh the little leather uh strap uh holding my greatsword into its scabbard so it is ready to be drawn. Okay. 
Well, it goes without saying it's it goes without saying it's it's very cold and and obviously humid and damp down here. Uh, not so much that you're hindered, but um, it's about on the edge of like where you would. You're okay with your clothes here, but um, this is about as as cold as you could get without it starting to affect you. I'm I'm still working out some of the water from the last time we swam, <laughs> so uh, maybe we could um, walk a, a little bit. Would be nice. Would would be great. Path of least resistance to start. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I uh, I'm not a great swimmer. Okay. Are you able to see all right? Do you need assistance with? I can stuff? see everything. <laughs> Perfect. Did anyone happen to remember to bring some kind of torch or anything like that? Because I can't see a darn thing. Oh, yeah, but they're all soaking wet. Well, I ah. think we don't need one. Um, I'm going to cast light onto my uh, quarterstaff that I'm carrying. Oh, it's it's worth noting that um, your stone that you cast light on is down here by your feet. So okay. I'll you could... dispel that one. Okay. Cast it onto my staff. So my like basically the top part of my staff is glowing like a torch. That's a very Gandalf sort of move. Uh, yes, well done, it, well always, done. it always glows with a kind of bluish hue, though. <laughs> okay. All right, um, that solves <laughs> well, the my, vision. my barbarian friend, um, lead on. And where are you okay. leading the party? I mean, right seems as good as left. Let's go right. Okay. Yes, right, right. All right, you move to the right. Um, to get over there, you you have to hop over a couple of um, drop-offs, and you're still a little bit unsure how deep those are exactly, um, And um, but you're not interested in spending too much time trying to figure that out, at least not now. I'm not going to make you roll, but I'm going to assume you proceed cautiously. I should tell you that while you are moving around in just this inch or two of, you're sloshing around an inch or two of water, um, you will have disadvantage uh, should you be um, forced to make any sort of like balance roll or acrobatics roll. Um, okay. Um, but hopefully as you travel along, you, this will not be an issue. Surely it won't. Um, so you're heading to the door on the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. You approach the door. As I said before, it's um, it's a little bit shorter than you might. Um, that it, it looks pretty good actually to the halfling. Um, but to the human half elf, it's a little bit shorter than is, would be comfortable. And, um, as you approach it, um, a smell that, um, I'm sorry for the very uninspired adjective, but, um, just a very fishy smell emanates, um, from the, uh, tunnel that you're approaching. Uh, as you get to the side door, the door here, the art architecture is, has a very, um, smooth and organic, um, vibe to it. Um, it's not actually like creepy and horrific in exactly the sense, but if you've seen like the movie, um, alien, you know, how like the, the alien ship has that sort of like organic curvy, um, architecture to it. It's, it's a little bit of that sense, except not like, you know, terrifying extraterrestrial. Um, so you stop at this door at this open doorway and, um, because you, you're not expecting what you discovered here. Directly beyond this doorway is a tunnel that heads off into darkness for a good distance at a gentle curve. Uh, but the odd thing about this tunnel is that it is angled down pretty sharply. And uh, there's no stairs. Uh, it's like a, a, a water slide. And water is cascading 
down it. It would be difficult to keep your balance going down this uh, this tunnel slash slide if you were to try and walk. How would you guys like to proceed? Karis, are you thinking what I'm thinking? We we <laughs> yes, you should absolutely do that. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I am worried that we won't be able to get back up once we go down, however. Already throwing myself down the slide. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Okay. Adventure awaits, my friend. Okay. Um, Ararin leaps down the slide and goes zipping off, goes zipping off into darkness. And after a moment, he uh, banks around a turn and is gone from sight. You hear him? Are you actually shouting "we" or um? Oh yes, oh yes, the whole way down. Okay, okay. Well, um, you hear him shouting "we," and then uh, after a few moments, you do hear a loud splash—the splash of like a eighty-pound something hitting a uh, going off the end of a slide and hitting a large body of water below. Karis, would you like to hold on to my staff for some light as you proceed? Uh, sure, sure. I would I be happy hand, to. hand my staff to him, which should still be glowing. And... I will. Okay. By all clutch, means. I will clutch my scabbarded greatsword and the, and the staff together in my arms and uh, leap on after the half. Okay. All right. You jump as well. Something similar, uh, something similar happens, and that leaves just uh, Broden up here at the top of the uh, angled passage. Uh, once I hear the splash of yep. Karis hitting the bottom, I will then proceed myself. Okay, so all three of you have the same, uh, same uh, fun slip and slide experience as you go down. Uh, you go sliding down this curving tunnel, which... Um, and again, it's a little bit difficult to describe without sketching a map for you. Um, but it curves around um, so that, like, you feel like you probably have made, like, a 180-degree... I'm also bad with math, geometry, and angles. Uh, but you have, like, curved around and and are, like, roughly facing... Um, facing west, I guess, when you get to the end of this, if that makes sense. You went down facing east, and it's curved around, and now you're facing west. But that is boring compared to the fun part, which is, uh, at a certain point, the passageway ends uh, at a drop-off, and you go sailing off the lip of this passageway. Uh, You drop about 10 feet until you hit a big pool of water, and um, you... (laughs) You splash down into the water. You are all wearing a fair amount of equipment. Um, and so I would like everybody to make a strength roll to, like, surface or tread water or uh, just keep from, I guess, sinking into the, like, Stygian abyss. Excellent. Uh, okay. I... Um, you're making a strength roll, and your target number is 11. I rolled a 15 in total. Okay. I got a six. Okay. Natural 20. A natural 20. With a natural 20, um, I will say that um, because you rolled so well, you saw that Broden was struggling uh, and starting to sink, and you were able to grab a hold of him. So um, 
instinctively, I mean, when you drop down and you dive underwater, like it's difficult to think real tactically. So you are instinctively scrabbling for the, like, for an edge, um, like a landing, a beach or whatever that you saw right before you went sailing in here. And so that's where you splash over there. Um, Broden, let's say that you've taken one point of damage from uh, panicking and inhaling a lot of water, okay. but you're saved by uh, by error in the surprisingly good swimmer uh, halfling. Bar- He's a barbarian. That's a this is this is this is what they do. Uh, and then you guys l- like lurch up to the um, to the beach. So imagine that you're at like a pool and you have all swum to the side of it and you've got your like hands on the ed- edge of the pool that's where you are you're all like floating in the water but you're gripping safely to the sides and what you're gripping to the sides of is a smooth stone floor in a larger chamber um, and this is the chamber that you see it's like a fairly large chamber uh, from which a large uh, a wide steep stairwell uh, ascends and climbs up. Okay, so that's on one side of this room um, that you and you could go up. You could access those stairs where you, if you were to climb up onto the landing here. The other thing you see are a group of strange, of strange beings. Um, five, what could only be described as fishmen, are sitting in a cluster off to the side of the chamber um, perfectly still these fishmen are sitting it is difficult to uh, to ascribe to them like exactly humanoid style sitting but they are all clearly um, like perched in some sort of like a ritual pose imagine a group of people sitting you know like Indian style uh, around you know a fire or something like that in a, in a conscious, like almost contemplative pose. There's five of these creatures. They are 60% fish and 40% like humanoid. Um, they have the heads and mouths and wide, flat, uh, baleful eyes of a very oversized fish. Um, they've got fins and scales, uh, and tails. They have, uh, human-style arms that end in uh, nasty-looking uh, claws. And they have uh, they have legs. The legs have a sort of vestigial feel to them, and it looks like they would probably move through some sort of combination of, like, um, like sliding and using their, like, legs to kind of propel the slide, if that makes sense. But they're not doing any of that. That's all just crazy conjecture because they're all sitting still right now and they haven't reacted, although you certainly made noise screaming and diving into this water. What are you going to do? Haul myself up out out of the water. Okay, you haul your uh, sopping wet self out onto um, the beach uh, or onto the landing here. How about the rest of you guys? Yeah, I also climb out of the water. Okay. I want to give Froden (laughs) and getting out of the water. Okay. The second that the last of you um, climbs up onto the landing, as if an invisible signal uh, or alarm has been tripped, all five of the fish creatures uh, turn their heads to face you almost as one. The, uh, their eyes 
reflect your uh, the light from Broden's staff uh, brilliantly, and uh, they regard you with their inhuman gaze for a very uncomfortable moments. Are you something's about to happen? Do, do you have anything you want to do before before uh, things get get real here? I'm gonna throw an elbow at Broden. You're, Broden, you're you're the one that's good at this. Say something. Say something is good. Bro, is Broden good at this? Like, <laughs> I, we're about to find out. Broden will uh, raise up his hands as a shine of peace and welcome. You know, showing he has no weapons in his arms. And I will just attempt to say in common, we mean you no harm. Have one you of seen the, someone drum facts this way? <laughs> one of the uh, one of the fish people seems uh, really intrigued by you, and at the sound of your voice, he slithers in. Uh, it turns out your conjecture was right. That is how they move. In fact, they sort of slide using their feet to propel them along. Slithers in a sort of uh, almost snaky way um, f- to the front of the group, and you see that this um, this creature is a little bit larger. In, as he approaches, and with his scales uh, reflecting in the light from Broden's staff, you see uh, a number of very old-looking scars that crisscross his hide at various points. He approaches not like, you know, right up to your face, but he's maybe about um, 10 or so feet away, and he's listening to you, Broden. He cocks, it cocks its head. It might be cute in, in some other context, but in this one, it's it's more unnerving. It cocks his head while you speak, as if listening uh, with curiosity. And then it raises one of its sort of uh, half-claw, half-flippery arms, and it gives an impatient gesture to um, to its colleagues next to it. T- two of the creatures that were next to him reach down to the ground and lift up pole arms with, I guess... This is not, uh, Gary Gygax would not like me using this term, but with grabbers at the end of them. Um, the uh, sort of thing you would use if you wanted, for instance, to like um, grab somebody by the neck um, and like hold them. Uh, at any rate, uh, so they hoist up grabbers and they proceed to attempt to grab you. Um, so I'd like everybody to make a roll and add, um, make an initiative roll, please. So roll and add your initiative, and then each of you tell me what you got, and let's start with, um, what is Broden's initiative? Uh, eight. Okay. Not doing well today. Okay. Uh, how about Karis? Zero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> feel, I rolled better a, about yourself, Broden? I rolled a one, and uh, my initiative modifier is a negative one. So. Okay, that's, uh, that's kind of special. Uh, <laughs> all right, Aaron, how about you? Please, please uh, say that you did better than than that dirty 20 you you rolled a what dirty 20 so it's a cumulative 20 okay all right so uh Aaron is going to move quickly you saw the uh, fish fish creature ducking down for what clearly seemed to be some kind of weapons and you seize the initiative after you act the fish creatures are going to act as a group and then broden and karis are going to uh if they're still alive, we'll be wrapping up the uh, the rounds activity. Uh, so, Aaron, what would you like to do? Um, just for context, mm-hmm. this uh, the space you're on is probably about twenty feet by twenty feet square. 
there are a couple you didn't notice them until you hoisted up here there are one or two like sort of warren like tunnels heading off into darkness and the stairwell um that ascends very high um and the creatures are all in a group of five about 10 feet away what would you like to do um five of them all together uh, so I think the first thing that I'm going to do is, um, I'm going to be very upset about the fact that they're attempting to hurt us in some way. Okay. And I'm it, really going to lean into how upset I am yeah. about this. Uh, so I think I'm going to rage. <laughs> okay. That's the best way to express your, your distress. Fish people don't grab me. <laughs> <laughs> I grab fish people. Exactly. Okay. Um, um Hopefully Broden and Karis have seen this happen before. Otherwise, it's a sight even more disturbing than the angry fish people. Um, but uh, Aaron goes into a halfling rage. <laughs> nice. uh, so my my very compact and therefore highly efficient rage will drive me to attacking um, the closest fish person with the mancatcher uh, grabber okay. thing. Mancatcher, um, that sounds like an official term. Uh, sounds like a better term than grabber. And I had a lot of fun at uh, history museums when I was a kid. Okay. Um, right. <clears throat> so I'm going to come swinging in. Um, and uh, I have a uh, what appears to be a glaive that is appropriate for a halfling, which <laughs> is really just an axe that's just a little extra wide. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to come in swinging with that. Um, am I still rolling at disadvantage? Um, you know what? Let's see if you've shaken enough. Um, give me another constitution, um, saving throw and tell me if you that's get another. a 10 or higher. Nope. That's a natural one again. Okay. So yes. I'm going to let you roll every round to shake that off. Okay. But for this okay. round, you're going at disadvantage. Cool. Um, so you're attacking the closest fish man with a man catcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's armor so, class. Go ahead. Uh, so we just burned a 20. Um, so I have just rolled a okay. 25 to hit. Uh, you serious? So that's with disadvantage? I've rolled a 20 and a 19. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, this uh, is how I go. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, you easily connect and go ahead and roll, roll damage. Okay. Uh, so that is um, a 1d10, which I rolled a 9, and I have a plus 4 for my strength modifier. So a grand total of 13 points of damage. Okay. Oh, it's a mighty blow. Um, look at me. Hang, hang on real quick. Let me jot this down. I have neglected. There's two points of rage damage attached to that. Okay. So what is, what is the total uh, damage that you did? So the grand total is 15 points oh, of damage. Oh, my Goodness. Okay. It's a mighty blow. It nearly um, severs the fishman in two, like a, uh, you know, like a chef satisfyingly chopping a fish into that they're preparing for a meal. But um, it doesn't quite drop it. But um, as you hit it, this thing is, uh, it's got a really like viscous, slimy coating. As it recoils from your blow, it threatens to pull your glaive with it. Uh, you need to. Make a, a difficulty 11 strength saving throw to keep hold of your glaive. It's not okay. like a glue. It's not like, you know, as sticky as glue. But it's um, just enough that it threatens to tug your weapon away from you as it moves. So make okay. your strength saving roll. First roll is a 10, but I'm going at disadvantage. Let's see which. Oh, there's that natural one again. 
Okay. Uh, it pulls your weapon out of your grip as it recoils from your blow and retreats to the back of the chamber. It is heavily wounded. You can see it fumbling to uh, to remove your glaive um, from where it is embedded in it. Um, did you want to do any other like move, quick move actions or anything like that, or pass it along? Because next up is all of the fish creatures. Um, am I right up in the grill of all of the other fish folk? Yep, you're pretty. You're close to them. Yep, pretty much right in the thick of things. Um, I think I would like to, um, if it's if I'm not in immediate swinging distance of everybody. I'd probably back up to get a little bit closer to Karis, or at least where I think Karis would move to okay. um, in a good defensible position for the rest of the party. Okay. All right. You reposition and you're far, you're not, you're outside of melee distance. So um, they are, they aren't able to take any swings at you as you go. Okay. It's the fish creatures turn and we'll start with the largest uh, one that does seem to have the um, gives off leader vibes, you guess. Uh, it is unarmed, um, but it begins to wave its way to undulate in a very aquatic fashion. Uh, its scaly limbs uh, casting some sort of spell, uh, calling out to um, you know hideous, long, slumbering, uh, watery gods to uh, grant it a boon. And as it wraps up uh, its little uh, incantation, it gestures at it gestures at um at broden who had uh kind of addressed it uh with the confidence of his own uh well his own religion uh broden you feel well it's a little difficult to describe how you feel you find yourself um catching your your breath and like gasping uh gasping for breath make a um Make a wisdom saving throw, uh, and tell, and you need to beat an eleven. I we got a nineteen. You did it. Okay. Um, for a moment, you found yourself gasping for air and fighting a powerful urge to immerse, like plunge your head into water and take deep, refreshing gulps of water instead of air, but you shake it off. Um, the creature looks, um, the creature like snarls angrily as it sees that whatever, um, spell or thing, uh, it just tried to do you did not work. And it snaps out a command to its, um, its fellows, all three of whom charge. Okay. One of them with the man catcher charges you, Broden, um, brandishing the uh, man catcher, which is making a beeline for your neck. It, uh, comes lurching at you. All right, so there's lots of saving throws here this evening. Um, the uh, It hits you and does three points of damage. Its polearm has some sort of mechanism by which it's attempting to close like a, the grabber part of the man catcher around your neck. Make a uh, dexterity saving throw to evade it. Otherwise, it's going to clamp around your neck. It, it won't like... It's meant to kind of... Um, is meant to like disable you not to like harm you. Um, but go ahead and make, um, a dexterity saving throw. And on this, you need to be a 10 or you need to get a 10 or higher. I got a 15, 15. Okay. You easily evade the man catcher. Um, there are two though, badly wounded fish man 
is uh, spends its round pulling the glaive from its body and eyeing it, and you can see it weighing whether or not it should um, attempt to use whether this is something it's going to try using or not. And that leaves two other fish people that both um, that both charge forward. Both of them, uh, these ones aren't wielding man catchers. They are grabbing um, some very short spear, like stabbing spears, um, and they come running at um, Ararin. One of them goes for Ararin, and the other goes for Karis. So um, Ararin, one of them stabs a javelin at you and hits, mm-hmm. uh, but for only two points of damage. And Karis, okay. the other one, oh man, these guys are rolling really well. Good, good job, guys. Um, this one hits for only, but for three points of damage. Um, and now it is time for, uh, I just shuffled up my initiative, but whoever rolled an eight for initiative, was that Broden? Yeah. Okay. Broden, have at it. All right. I am going to go ahead and use a bonus action first to, um, pray to my deity and cast a shield of faith onto Aaron, who is okay. in the thick of things. Um, so he now has a plus two bonus to AC nice. for the next ten minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I will go ahead and use a cantrip to utter a divine word, and a burning radiance erupts from me. Oh. Uh, everyone who is within five feet around me. Okay. Um, which may just be the one with the man catcher, yep. I believe. Um, he has to make a constitution saving throw. Okay. And he has to beat a 13. He did not succeed. What happens? He takes 1d6 radiant damage. Ouch. Which will be five. Oh, I'll let you roll for it. Okay. <laughs> I've... I'm... All right. It um it gives a it gives an inhuman shriek of pain as the light just burns into those very wide plate like eyes, uh, and it takes five points of damage as you say. Okay, um, that means that Karis, you are up. What's going on? Well, clearly, what had happened here is that I had begun producing my signet ring to like say you know introduce myself properly and yes. then they, this this fish person stabbed me and it hit my chain mail you know and yeah. went into my chest at which point i'm going to just let the signet ring drop on the chain that i carried around okay unsheath my great sword and say insolent fish person and <laughs> chop his head off okay there's no way okay. to treat a visitor make a uh, roll to attack his armor class is 13 I have rolled a uh, nine plus my attack bonus of five or fourteen. Phew. I was rushing things. Two and six or seven plus three is uh, ten slash uh, slashing damage. Ten damage. All right. It uh, it howls with pain uh, as you uh, you hack at it. Um, nicely done. Um, it's severely wounded. Um, both this one and the one that Aaron hit are, uh, you know, on the verge of toppling over. These are not incredibly sturdy beasts. Okay. Um, or you do you have any move actions or was that uh, the entirety of your turn? Um, I guess I'll just try and interpose myself as much as possible uh, between 
fish people and, and the cleric. Okay. All right. So um, that's the end of that round. Um, we're going to go back up to Ararin, who is weaponless, or at least glaiveless, but in mm. good health. Um, and yeah, what would you like to do? Um, so first thing I want to figure out is, uh, is there anything directly in between me and the fish person that has been trying to remove the glaive from its flesh? No, nope, he's make uh, a beeline there. He's slumped against the far wall about 10 feet, 10, 15 feet away. Okay. Uh, I want to make a beeline and try to lay hands back on that glaive and hopefully do some damage on the removal. Okay. All right. You go charging at him. I'm going to, um, tell you what, go ahead and make an attack roll to grab your glaive. And then I'll compare you guys' strengths to see who succeeds in, um, cool. Excuse me, in hanging on to it. So and I should probably roll again to see if I am still at disadvantage. Yes. Yes, uh, the con Roll to see if you shake that. You just need a 10 or higher. Okay. Um, oh, hey, we got there. We got a 13. Okay. Fantastic. Cool. Okay. So you go charging at the uh, creature. Its facial expression is a little hard to read. Uh, hmm. You think that maybe its eyes widen slightly in uh, in alarm as a small bundle of um, of rage comes hurtling towards it i assume with some sort of halfling battle cry uh indeed indeed okay. um uh the wine is stale <laughs> i rolled a uh, a 16 for an okay. unarmed attack strike that's a hit all right so you have uh you grab onto you and the creature are both um arm wrestling for the glaive right now okay so I want mm-hmm. you to make one more roll, and I'm going to give you um, advantage on it because you succeeded in your attack roll. And we're just going to do a roll, uh, a strength. So make a strength uh, roll and add your strength bonus, and we'll see who okay. uh, pulls the uh, thing off. Whoever rolls highest gets it. It did not roll well. It rolled a 7. So um, Rolled an 18. Okay. A strong little guy. You indignantly snatch your glaive back from the uh, the creature. Okay, blended. And uh, you don't have uh, time to attack yet in this round. But is there anything else you would like to um, any move type things you would like to do this turn? Um, a vague taunt impugning the parentage of the fish creature in front of me will be plenty. It it looks shocked. Um, that was Perfect. really a low blow, but uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, moving on, we're going to start with that um, with that creature. Again, hard to read his expressions, but you're pretty sure it's glancing around and weighing its options and its chances. And it decides to try and sprint past you. I'm going to give you one swing. It's making a beeline for the water. Um, so I'm going to give you one swing at it as it goes by. Um, if you fail to bring it down, then it's it's going to be in the water and out of reach. So go ahead and make a roll. Its armor class is 13. Um, and you've got your glaive, so you can use that if you want. Well in hand at 25 to hit. Okay. Okay. That's a, let me check real quick if that's a hit. Okay. Yeah. You barely made it. All right. Uh, roll damage. Uh, it's badly hurt. You don't have to roll very high. Factor damage bonus is probably enough on its own to bring it down. Total of six. Okay. It, uh, you cleave it in two, and um, its momentum keeps the two pieces of fish person moving forward for several feet before they um, slide uh, to the ground, and then they maybe they slip right off the edge of the landing and plop into the water. It's pretty gross, um, mm-hmm. but yes. Satisfying, but gross. 
Uh, okay, that was one fish person's move. It managed to kill itself in its turn. Um, we'll see if the others can follow suit. The one that went after um, Broden with the or with Karis with the uh, the man catcher right is going to try again. He's pretty hurt. Uh, and you did not have that spell on you, right? That was Aaron uh, has the spe- spell that boosted his armor class. Yeah. That is correct, yes. So it hit you with the man catcher. Only did one point of damage, but you need to make a dexterity roll again. And you need to be in an, and get an 11 or higher uh, dexterity saving throw. Sorry, was that me or Karis? Karis, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, it's attacking me this time. Yep, sorry. Okay. Uh, I have rolled a natural 20. Okay, you easily evade, but you took one point of damage. Okay. All right. The leader, the leader takes a look around and um, begins to cast another spell. This one is more complicated and more ominous sounding than the one from the last turn. And let's... Okay. You hear a kind of a, a rushing, the sound of rushing water. And you glance, as you glance down... Um, you notice that the water level in this chamber is starting to rise. So currently you're on dry ground on this, um, but the water begins the water begins to rise and it quickly flows onto the uh, the landing where you guys are all standing, and it starts to rise. By the end of this thing's turn, uh, you're standing in about a foot of water, and the water is still going up. Okay, that's the that's the creature's turn. Um, the remaining two guys with um, spears attack attack Broden and miss and um, attack Ararun and really miss. Okay. Uh, Broden, it's your turn. I am going to say that the, uh, the caster is a problem uh, and while I'd Rather avoid this fight. It's too late for that now. Um, I'm going to cast Sacred Flame. Uh, he has to make a Dexterity saving throw. Okay. What does he have to hit? He has to beat a 13. Okay. Oof. He did not make it. He rolled a 3. All right. What happens? Uh, he will take 1d8 Radiant Damage. Uh, okay. I can roll. Yep. That's a 6. Nice. Uh, and he now has, uh, well, there would be no benefit from cover. All right, yep, so just six damage. Six damage. Okay. Uh, he doesn't look, although he's a little bigger, he doesn't look significantly sturdier than his um, compatriots. So, okay, is that the only thing you're doing, or you, do you have something um, I'm going to try to move away from the guy who was trying to attack me recently. Um, so uh, if I can take a couple steps back or yep. away. You disengage a little bit. All right, and that leaves Karis. All right, I will. Uh, I will taunt the person that attempted to uh, snatch me with the <laughs> moving back and forth. It's the universal <laughs> language of, of physical insult. Uh, exactly, it, it, it connects. You can tell. Exactly, I've rolled a sixteen to hit. I... Okay, I thought you were rolling a sixteen to taunt, but um, oh, yeah, we'll, well. we'll just say that. All right, the 16 hits, so go ahead and roll your damage. This one was hurt pretty bad. 
Mm-hmm. Already? Uh, I roll eight points of damage. It goes down with a... Uh, Excellent. With a, a wa- big watery splash, it collapses into the rising uh, water level of this um, room, which is, continues to go up, I should note. Is uh, it just me, or is the water rising in here? All right, uh, Karis, uh, anything else after your attack? Or is it, are we back to Erorin at the start I of the round? we're back to Erorin. Okay, so... There is uh, the the priest looking uh, fish man and two compatriots are left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, what would you like to do? For a brief moment, I'm going to break the fourth wall and say, "Internet, yes, I know. I just discovered I am playing a halfling who is lucky. I should have rerolled every single one that I have rolled thus far. I promise to do better next time." And you have been rolling all the ones. I I have. I have indeed. Okay. So, uh, to make up for it in a uh, blood-curdling rage, I'm going to (laughs) swing in at the caster as uh, as one should. So, yeah, full force, uh, both arms swinging. Okay. Let's see what we can do. This one's got a check. Let me check his armor class uh, one sec. Armor class of 13, just like his his less talented companions. Excellent. Uh, We nail him. We got an 18. Okay. Roll damage. So, damage, we're looking at a rolled 13, but I'm still raging, so it's a 15 total. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of damage. Okay. Um, You hammered it. I do one thing very well. Yeah, okay. It reels from the damage, um, and as it recoils from the hit... You the water level um, stops rising; it stabilizes. Whatever you did um, disrupted um, disrupted its spell. Sweet. Well, we know what you did. You hit it really hard. That disrupted the spell. Just to, for clarity. Uh, okay, are you doing anything else besides <laughs> like nearly decapitate the uh, fishman? I'm going to stay up all in his face and make okay. sure he can't get anywhere. Okay. All right, then it's that fishman's turn, and it also makes the decision to run but instead of going for the water it's going for the stairs did anyone specify they were near the stairs or imagine that they were no okay then broden i'm going to give you one reaction with which to hit it as it goes by um otherwise it'll reach the stairs and um and at its speed, it's probably going to be able to um, clear out of here pretty quick. Um, so Broden, go ahead and roll. Has an armor cost of 13. Unless you want to, you know, let it go. Um, am I holding my staff? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Erorin was the one who just hit it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm sorry. Erorin, you, uh, you get the reaction as it tries to disengage from you. Uh, I have I apologize, uh, okay. I just screwed that up. Um, 15, does that hit? It does. Rolled another 9. Um, of course it is. So we're sitting at 15 and again, yep. Okay. All right. Well, you get a, you give it a little a gentle tap, and it uh, collapses dead uh, in the water face first. Yeah, that was that's a lot of damage you dish out. Keep an eye on those halfling barbarians, everyone. Uh, okay. That, that leaves two fishmen left. One of them has a man catcher, and um, it may be ways running, running, but it saw what happened to the last two fishmen uh, that tried that. 
And so it goes for... It decides to go for... Broden. It misses with the man catcher pretty badly. The other remaining fishman has a little... Uh, the short spear. And it is going for Karis. Karis, it did... The spear did hit you. But only did a point of damage. Excellent. Okay. All right. Um... Error and back up at the top of the round. Things are looking like you have the advantage now. Um, what would you like to do? I think I want to circle around in between the stairs and whatever other fishman is closest to me, whether okay. that's the one to the left or the, to the right, and um, take a swing at them. But I want to make sure that I'm between them and the staircase. Okay. All right. Go for it. Ooh, and give me a roll. Uh, Armor class 13. Oh, sweet. 14. So we still get there. Okay. Roll your obscene and, amount of damage. Uh, we're looking at 13 points of damage. Okay. Okay. It goes down. Leaving just one left. Makes a run for um, the water. Karis, you're the closest one to it. I'll give you one reaction to try and clip it as it goes by. All right. Oh. Armor class 13. Swing my greatsword through the air. And I have rolled an 8 plus 5 is exactly 13. Okay, that's a hit. Roll damage. Alright. 9. You savagely wound it, not, but not enough to drop it before it reaches the water. It, um, it does a graceful, surprisingly given how hurt it is, dive and disappears uh, beneath the water. You mm. notice that the water level has started to recede and after a quick moment, it is back to the level it was originally at. Um, all right. It's all clear. The fight is done. Um, and, yeah, you are here on the landing with a couple of fishman bodies. Uh, what would you guys like to do? That did not go as well as I had hoped it would. Really? <laughs> I thought that would great. <laughs> is, uh, is anybody badly hurt? I'm, uh, I'm sitting HP, pretty. So I'm not that bad. Okay. I have taken five points of damage. Okay. Um, so not half, but in the vicinity of half. Is that what mm -hmm. you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what's the plan, guys? Do, do we do we need to bandage you up? You're looking a little um, looking a little messed up there, Bird. Mm -hmm. you, you okay? I I am doing all right. Uh, if if Karis needs healing, I would gladly offer my services. However, that would, might be the last of my more powerful spells. <laughs> Your shield does last for ten minutes, so it will prolong into our next oh venture. So the time is of the essence, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Yes, exactly. We need to uh, we need to get a move on. Is the water level still rising in this room? It is not. It stopped rising and it has receded back to the level it was when you came hurtling into this chamber. Oh, excellent. So, uh, should we charge up the stairs um, screaming and flailing, or should we charge up the stairs uh, quietly? Quiet charging. That's my vote. Quiet charging works for me. Do you need Quiet to charging. Karis before we proceed? Ah. Tis but a scratch. <laughs> I'll remember that during our next 
next encounter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what in the world of D&D could do seven points of damage in a hit? I mean, it's pretty pretty hard it's to imagine. Very, uh-huh. It's a rare I feat. just need to catch my breath, really. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure, well, you guys are proceeding, it sounds like, uh, as quietly as you can up the stairs. Is that the, the vibe I got? Okay. All right. I mean, quietly, I'm not telling you what to do. Quietly, but quickly. Okay. <laughs> yes. Quietly. As quietly as two, three sopping wet people. Okay. Uh, you begin ascending the stairs, and um, the uh, stairs are curving around a bit as well as they ascend. Steps are fairly shallow, and they would um, be pretty well designed to allow a you know a slithering thing with some. Um, with some weakish leg support to propel their way up it very quickly. Um, that does not describe your physiologies, however. So you have to hoof it. Um, and it, it takes a while. A small, like, you know, not a waterfall, but a small st- stream of water is cascading down the stairs, um, which means you have to move very slowly to avoid slipping. Um, since you're not under any particular like danger or stress, I'm not going to make you roll. But if something were to happen on these stairs, there'd be some rolling involved and possibly a big slide back down to the chamber that you just had the big fight in. But um, you continue to ascend without incident. Um, i make one quick little roll here. Okay. Uh, yes, as I said, without incident. And it's a little hard to tell how much you've been traveling, how high up you've been going. But it's been a it's been a good distance, and you are wondering if, as you are approaching what you can see, and what I'll describe in a minute as the upper terminus of the stairwell, you are wondering how far below the surface you are right now. It's probably you're probably not too far underneath the surface at this point. But that is not the most compelling um, thing um, greeting you. What is a little bit more motivating is the sound of us uh, human screams uh, coming from ahead of you. As you approach the top, the, the top of the staircase, the staircase ends at another one of those curved, slightly, uh, slightly too short doorways. From your position on the stairs, uh, maybe you know, twenty feet below this doorway. You can't really make out much except that there is a large and well lit chamber beyond this doorway at the top of the stairs. And it is through that doorway that the sounds of a uh, of a man struggling and uh struggling and shouting are coming. Friends, we uh, must hurry. Do you hear that? That is adventure. Someone needs to help. It's the sound of adventure, yes. The screams of the hurt and <laughs> dying. Uh, yes, okay. We must uh, go through this door. What are you guys going to do? Oh, so you're 20 feet below the door. What's the plan? Okay, you down and look for trouble. Is that the plan? Is that what we're doing? These screams kind of coalesce into some understandable words, and you're pretty sure you heard the phrase, get that thing away from me, uh, in there amongst the less articulate. Vocalizations. There are more of those creatures in there. We must quickly ascend to save whoever that is. Hopefully oh, so kick the door them. down and kick the door down and look for trouble. Great, I'm in. I literally kick the door down and look for trouble. Okay, there is uh, 
there is no door. It's just an open portal. So oh. um, you go flying through the portal, let's say. Uh, you, you go hurtling through into a large round chamber, in the center of which is a, um, is a cistern not you know, too dissimilar from the one that was the way you got into this um, complex. Okay, it's a round chamber. In the middle of it is a round hole in the floor. Around, it is a, like a well, maybe eight feet wide. The well is shaped like the mouth of an anglerfish, including like a little uh, a little glowing orb like that is dangling uh, above the well. If you can visualize that. OK, it's it's not a living creature. It's just a finely wrought, um, finely wrought uh, bit of decorative decoration. A number of other things are in this room. The most um, noteworthy is another uh, is another one of those fish uh, people. It is a little bit taller. Its scales are a deep purple instead of the kind of uh, whitish blue that marked the creatures you fought below. And it is sitting on top of a large, uh, a gigantic crab. Like it's riding it like a, um, got little, like a little fancy seat on the back of the crab's shell. One might almost call it like a throne or other sort of authoritative sort of seat. Um, and it is, the crab is holding in its pinchers uh, two things. Uh, one of the pinchers is holding a scruffy looking human that is suspended uh, a couple feet above the ground by one of the claws. The other claw is grabbing uh, what looks like a, um, like a pack, like a backpack of uh like jammed with like equipment like an adventurer's backpack as you watch the claw um the crab reaches that claw over the mouth of the well and like shakes the pack loose and you see um like a rain of gold pieces and a silver knife and a few uh, other things go uh hurtling hurtling down there's a long pause and then you hear like some splashing noises as they hit water far below okay um, the crab then releases the backpack and it goes like floating down uh, the well afterwards. The person, the, and then it, uh, it moves then. It's pretty clear that it is about to drop the, uh, the human uh, down the well as well. Okay. Uh, what are you guys going to do? So uh, I say, Aaron, you just barreled through the room and this is what you saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to point at the human and shout, Rolf? <laughs> uh, Despite the uh, intensity of the situation, he responds to his name. He uh, he glances over at you and uh, and shouts. There's a quick pause while he tries to to take in uh, the unusual sight before him, and then he shouts, um, "Help me! Help me!" Right room, and I want to ready a javelin to throw at the crab. Okay, all right. Uh, what are the other two of you guys doing? I'm preparing my my family greatsword and i'm preparing to charge this crab okay I will wedge all right and uh broden what are you doing mouth. i follow the other two and i am uh getting ready to see what spells i can cast okay everybody roll initiative um as you guys come barreling through um and equip your weapons the uh the creature uh, the fish man riding the crab like takes note of you he pats the crab, and the crab kind of shifts 
um, to turn and face you. Um, the crab tosses Rolf, for indeed it is he, uh, across the uh, chamber, um, and then turns with, uh, you know, very cinematic uh, crab claw opening and closing motions. I'm trying... I guess you can't hear crab this. Crab people, uh, crab listeners people. Listeners, imagine my hands making little crab grabbing motions. It does that menacingly in your direction. Uh, okay, so everybody roll initiative and tell me what you got. I got a 10 this time. Okay. All right. Karis, that's a little bit better than last time. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's pretty good for Karis. How about Broden? I got a 2. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Aaron? Swinging in heavy with a 19. Ooh. Okay. Okay. And That's why it, we keep halflings around. They're very fast. <laughs> it rolled. Um, anyway, it tied with you, Broden. So it's going to be going. It's going to be going at the same time as you. Okay, uh, Aaron, you're up first. What would you like to do? Uh, so I am going to attempt to chuck a javelin at it. Okay. Um, but I rolled terribly. Um, I rolled a six. So I assume that is going to. Definitely miss. Yes. So this this crab has a fairly high armor class of fifteen. That is less like it's the difficulty of hitting it, and more the difficulty of landing a penetrating hit on its uh, on its armor. Uh, mm-hmm. At either rate, with that, you probably actually just missed it, and so uh, the javelin goes sailing in a lonely manner across the room. Uh, are you have anything else you want to do? Uh. Probably just recoiling moderately in shame as the javelin <laughs> sails endlessly into the night. <laughs> okay. That you do. You accidentally threw it on some kind of ballistic arc. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where it lands. Karis, you're Later. up next. Um, I, I, I bellow a war cry and I charge directly at the crab. Okay. Great sword in front of me attempting to wedge it into its mandibled mouth. Okay. It's got an armor cost of 15. Okay. Uh, I have rolled a 13 plus my attack bonus of 5 is an 18. So that's a success. Okay, roll damage. Uh, 5 plus 2 is 7 plus 3 is 10. <laughs> nice, nice hit. Okay, uh, it lands with a solid thwack on the uh, the crab. You've done some noticeable damage to it. Broden, let's do a quick roll off between you and the, uh, the crab and the thing riding it. Okay, uh, just give me another initiative roll. Two. <laughs> okay, it got a 19 this time, so it's going first. All right, so the crab, um, at the urging of its um, malevolent rider, the crab lurches forward and tries to grab two of you guys. So the lucky two are Aroran and Karis. So Aroran, one of those claws goes uh, snaking towards you. You jump out of the way without too much difficulty. And Karis, however, it gets a natural 20 on you. Um, the crab closes its claws when it snaps the claws around you it only does two points of damage but you are now gripped in the uh you are now gripped uh by the crab and i spoiler warning it has it has plans for you that you won't like the rider of the crab is occupied with um communicating calling out commands and stuff like that to the crab and so that is its turn so that means that it's Broden's turn. All right. So uh, I am going to actually target the rider of the crab. Okay. 
mm-hmm. uh, with my sacred flame. I'm assuming he's within 60 feet of me. Yep. Uh, so he has to make a dexterity saving throw. Okay, 13. Is that what he had to beat? Yep. He rolled a 12. It's not going to happen. Right. So he's going to take 5 radiant damage. Okay. It screams with pain. And you know something I should have done earlier, as I think these things are vulnerable to like light-based damage. And so I should have had that factor into the earlier fight, but we're going to have that happen now. Um, I'm going to give it a saving... Well, no, it already failed at saving throw. So it took damage, and I'm going to put it at... Um, I'm going to say it's that the priest is stunned for a round. Um, I'm going to stay near the door where I entered. Okay. Then, uh, Aaron, it's back up to you. Uh, nicely done, Broden. Okay. Um, seeing that the priesty thing is... Um, it's reeling not... on its little throne, but it will recover shortly. Yeah. Um, is that... Su- could I reach that priest thing with yep. an attack from the ground? Um... Or would I have to climb up onto the crab to do to do a direct attack? You could reach it if you had like a pole arm or a reach a reach weapon. Okay, um, and being a halfling, I don't. Okay, um, so in that case, I think you would need to to like jump up onto the crab. Um, okay, which would be you know a dexterity roll of some sort. Okay. Okay. Um... Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's give it a shot. Let's see if I can like athletics my way up or something um, up onto the crab to a better position to try to get at the priest that's driving this thing. Okay. Um, I will let you make you. I will let you choose to roll mm-hmm. either acrobatics or athletics. And this isn't easy. I'm going to give this an armor class of four or not an armor class, a target difficulty of fourteen. Okay. Um, I'm if pretty good su- at athletics. If you succeed, you can describe to me the new position that you now have. So go ahead. Okay. Um, So I rolled a 12, but being proficient in athletics, I've actually got a plus six there. So I collectively have an 18. Okay. Um, Then you go scampering up the claw. Describe to us what you just did. uh, I basically want to run up and across the claw um, up to the side of the fish thing that is in this throne space. Okay. and uh, if I still have an action available, I'd like to attack it. If not, I'd like to be ready to attack it next round. I'm going to say that this was a, a demanding enough task that, that used up your whole round. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, all right. Karis, you're up. I'm going to um, gather my uh, my breath, having just been squeezed a little bit, and yeah. uh, use a uh, bonus action as to gain a second wind. Which uh, lets me regain hit points equal to 1d10 plus my fighter level of 1. So okay. I have rolled a 4 plus 1 is 5. So I'm back up to okay. 10 hit points. I am going to continue to drive my greatsword into the crab thing's mantles and uh, request rather okay. urgently now that it die or let me go. Okay, so... Is your uh, is your primary goal to free yourself or to do damage to the crab? Um, I think to do damage to the crab. Okay, um, if I do enough damage, it will let me go anyway. Yes. Uh, all right, you can go ahead and make a regular attack roll against okay. an armor class of fifteen. 
I have rolled a 17. Okay. Plus Tell me how much damage. 22. Uh, 2 plus 2 again. 7 total. All right. Um, and you're using a great sword? Yes. All right. With a sweep of your sword, you sever the claw that was, uh, that was gripping onto you. I guess it is actually still gripped to you, but you top, you plop to the ground with the claw still around you, but no longer attached to the crab. Um, I don't know what sort of like vocalizations crabs can do, but like, it's probably howling with pain and rage, uh, it's at least yeah. thinking those things. Um, then it's the priest guy. We ruled that he was stunned. He spends this round um, recovering from his stun. The crab... Well, it was going to do something cool with Karis, but now it can't. Um, so it is uh, in a sort of a, a panic of, of pain and confusion. It is uh, snapping viciously at you on its back, Aaron, to try and get you off. For, okay. for obvious reasons. It's also mm-hmm. scuttling from side to side trying to shake you. So I'm going to give it an attack, and then I'm going to have you make a uh, another um, acrobatics roll to not be thrown from the crab as it's shuffling around, okay? Okay. All right, it's attack. It did not... It, it's pretty... You're positioned in such a way it really can't get you very well with its claw, and so it missed on its attack. But now I would like you to make um, either acrobatics or athletics you choose... Um, and you need to roll a 12 or higher to stay mounted on the back of this crab. Uh, it's a swing and a miss, a okay. nine. All right. All right. Um, you don't take any damage or anything, but you are tossed off of the crab and you land on the, uh, you land on the ground. Last. Okay. Uh, it was fun while it lasted. Okay. And it is Broden's turn. I'm just going to cast sacred flame again. Uh, oh. so okay. he, the, uh, the rider, the priest, needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Okay, 13, right? Yep. 10. It failed again. Right. 1d8 radiant damage comes to 7 this time. Okay. Uh, it's badly burned. Um, it howls It howls with pain as well. Um, you've, you've seared it uh, pretty significantly. And it is dazed again for another round. Uh, Rolf is just cowering in the corner, not taking any action, though he's unarmed, so you don't know what he could do to help. Aaron, mm-hmm. go ahead. You just got knocked off of the crab. I'm embarrassed. I'm angry that the crab made me embarrassed. No crustacean makes a fool out of me. I'm going to use the last rage that I have of the day, and I'm going to go swinging in at its legs. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Uh, armor class uh, Armor class 15. Success. That is a rolled 18. Okay. 12 points of damage. Oof. Okay. You hack at its legs and, like, come near to severing, like, two more of its legs with a mighty blow from your glaive. Um, the crab uh, is seized by, like, an animal panic. And with its rider unable to, um, like, issue calming commands, um, the rider's basically lost control of the crab, which is reverted to... Um, which is reverted to a sort of instinctive desire to get away from the things, hitting it with pointy sticks um the crab uh barrels towards the doorway through which it apparently plans to like try and squeeze um (laughs) so uh anybody who is in melee range of the crab so aaron and karis both i need you both to make dexterity rolls to jump out of the way of the crab as it goes barreling 
through you towards the door, okay? Instead of a saving throw, you may make a skill um, check using acrobatics or athletics as you choose to jump out of the way. Go ahead and roll, and you need to beat a 12 or high, get a 12 or higher. Well in hand. Okay. I rolled a 6, so even I... with athletics, uh, okay. I'm short. Okay. Uh... Uh, then you get knocked to the side as uh, the crab barrels through, and you're going to take some damage. Sure. All right. Um, you take four points of damage and are knocked off to the side. The crab, you're not sure how it compresses itself. It's almost creepy. Uh, it compresses itself to get through the doorway. But one of the things, one of the features on the crab that does not compress is the um, fish man sitting in the throne on its back. And so uh, the fish man is clotheslined as the crab goes through the door. Um, and knocked it and its throne are knocked off of the crab uh, onto the ground with a loud uh, thump. So it's going to take some damage from that. It's pretty badly hurt. It's uh, still in its throne, uh, looking very confused, uh, <laughs> sprawled on the ground. Um, that was it. And then Broden, it is your... Uh, no, 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 no. It is, yeah, is it Broden's turn again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Broden, you're up. So this, was, this door was across from the way that we came in, right? Yep. Knowing that the priest has been knocked prone, I'm going to go over and actually check on Rolf. I'm going to go check on Rolf and see if he is hurt or needs any assistance. Okay. Um, at a quick glance, he's pretty battered up, but um, he's, he's pretty battered up, but not in any life-threatening way. He probably wouldn't have done too well had he been dropped down the well, which was the which was going to be his fate in a round or two. Um, as was as was Kiris. Man, I was that was going to be really good, but then you ruined it. Uh, but no, he's doing all right. Um, if you get him back up to um, to safety pretty soon, he should um, be able to recover just fine. Right. He's he's in a state of mild, not even mild. It's it's major shock. Trust my companions to take care of whatever's left. What is uh, you guys can wrap this up. This thing is not really the uh, fishman priest is not really in much of a condition to put up a fight. So why didn't you guys just tell me? Are you going to finish it off? Or are you going to still have that fifty feet of rope? Okay. Yeah, we're we are absolutely arresting this guy. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> Bringing him back out of the well with us. Citizens arrest. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, you're binding. You're tying it up. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, it's weird and gross, and it's got that same sticky, uh, sticky, like viscosity uh, that the other fishmen do. But uh, you get it nice and uh, tied up. It's not pleased, um, but it's just the way things go. Um, all right, you have rescued Rolf. Um, a just a search of this room turns up the pretty broken up um, pallet that was cut from the rope back of the entry uh, chamber. Um, as well as a collection of um, just kind of a random collection of of like of junk, um, some gold pieces, equipment, just sort of a random assortment of stuff. It's a little unclear where they would have gathered this, but um, they've been hoarding. They've got a little pile of like treasure you can help yourselves to. Having rescued Rolf, I am inclined to say that you guys um, have done a really good job. Any any final actions that you guys would like to take or or do before you return to the surface with Rolf? I very much just want to make Rolf it. Knows how to get out of here. He can find his way back to that rope, even if you don't intend to um, head back up with him. But uh, yes, yeah, 
definitely planning on heading back with Rolf, though I am deeply, deeply saddened that I did not get to stab the life out of the fish priest. But yeah, well, I mean, it's okay. You don't win them all. Only the Geneva Conventions like prevent you from doing that. I'm just (laughs) throw that out there. But uh, this is a family friendly podcast, so let's let's avoid war crimes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Any anything else? No, no. As as soon as the uh, fish priest is is hogtied, I I I intend to bravely take him and Rolf back to the back to the rope ladder. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The uh, the tale of how you get the fish person back up the cistern is an epic one that will be repeated for generations of your descendants. Uh, that is unfortunately one we don't have time to recount now. So we'll just let you imagine how that went. It was amazing. And um, uh, yeah, you were received gratefully by the innkeeper who is glad that the supply uh, that he will. He's glad that Rolf is back. Of course, um, he's all. He is most glad that his supply of glowfish can uh, be restored if he can convince Rolf to ever go down the cistern again for more fish. Um, we'll never know how that uh, part of the story wraps up, but um, uh, maybe he'll uh, hire a new assistant or a new uh, band of roving adventurers to help to become his new um, glowfish supplier. But uh, you guys have done well. You are uh, rewarded with all sorts of um all sorts of low level one D and D rewards um, and experience points and uh, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, thanks for playing. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, That was great. Yeah. I hope it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed, I I enjoyed jamming at, um, I hope you guys had at least a modicum of fun playing as well. And it was fun to take that, uh, that dungeon for a spin. You guys kind of, uh, went in the direction that took you right to the final encounter, which worked out pretty well for like the time limit here. Um, but uh, there's, if you'd gone left instead of right, there was big section of big section of dungeon over there, but that's the way it always goes with these things. So um, this has been um, a special and kind of weird episode of roll for topic. Um, when this airs, uh, if you're listening to this right, when it comes out, I think the holiday of Christmas will have recently uh, come and gone so we hope you are having a happy holidays and I want to thank uh, each of my guests um, here Brandon, Matt and Aaron for taking a couple of hours out of their lives to run through a silly dungeon that we made so thank you very much for listening thanks to my guests for playing have a great time and uh, Chris is not here to say his little cheesy uh, goodbye thing I'll try and remember it uh, if your players are having fun you're a great GM <laughs> <laughs>